Hi there, Player One speaking. I just wanted to take a quick moment before this podcast to apologize for the uh, sound quality on my end. Um, my gain or something must have been turned up too high. I'm distorted. I tried uh, the best I could to remove it and get it as limited as possible. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get it all. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't take away from the show too much for you because we had a really good time recording with Joe. And again, I am sorry for it, and uh, I'm working to make sure it doesn't happen again. Thanks. Weekly. Weekly. So uh, so you might have noticed uh, that the second weekly this week uh, was a little deeper, a little manlier than usual. Uh, what, uh, what has happened, uh, as my wife put it, um, is that we've done a, a podcast wife swap. But instead of swapping wives, we put the two stubbly husbands together and put the two ladies on their own show. So uh, filling in for Mark this week, we have Joe from SCC Pod. Well, thank you very much. Glad to be here. And uh, I, I think your, your wife probably said it the best there. Two manly, <laughs> yeah. two manly men are together. That's right. I told her. I said, uh, we started listening to STC in the car tonight. She said, uh, "That's uh, isn't this that show where the guy's really boring? And I said, yeah, that's the show. <laughs> and uh, she said, that sounds like Mark. I said, yeah, Joe's uh, going to be on with me tonight. And she said, is he wearing one of his tight Under Armour shirts and will he be on camera? And I, I locked the door to my games room. <laughs> yeah, I know I'm fully dressed this time, unlike the last time I was on for uh, the monthly game reviews. <laughs> fully clothed. <laughs> um, yeah, you're yeah. off on one of your work trips. Yeah, yeah, it was... Uh, I think I was in, um, I think it was Joint Warrior, so we would have been like uh, Lisbon or Portugal, somewhere around that area. Yeah. You stepped in and did a better, so you've, so you've now replaced, you've actually replaced both bros now. You've been P1 and now you're being P2. Hmm. Can, uh, can Kevin ever say that? Uh, no, no, I don't think Kevin's ever oh. been P2. Oh, Kevin, um, so sorry. Yeah. What, you're not... You're not good at everything, Kevin? Oh, sorry to hear that. <laughs> That's weird. Um, he's also never been on this show. Oh. You're actually the first, uh, I don't want to use the word guest because you're a co-host, but you're the first other person other than a bro to ever be on CC Weekly. Might be ever in history because I don't know, imagine that anybody else is going to let us do this again. <laughs> I, I am honored. I am honored. <laughs> I can put one over on Retro Fandango. I'm all for it. Perfect. So let's jump into some news. Let's see what's going on this week in the, the old gaming world. Really? Um, first up, uh, it's not really gaming related. Uh, it's movie related, but they released a trailer for the new Wolverine movie. It's called Logan. Um, I'm a big X-Men fan, and I, uh, I actually really like the, the Wolverine stories. For the most part, there's a couple that were some misses in Hollywood, but the Logan trailer, I don't know if you saw it. Um, I thought it looked really good. I did. Saw it the first day it came out, and I think I was excited as everyone else was. It's, uh, th I think the consensus is this is finally the Logan that we've all been waiting for. Yeah, I think so too. Like uh, the, He's been sort of like a PG-13, maybe an adult rating up to this point, but I think we're finally going to get the, uh, the R rating, the blood, uh, the hey bub that we deserve. Yeah. You actually get the C claws going through people? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm like you. I'm a big. Uh, I'm more of a Wolverine fan than an X-Men fan. So, uh, but it's been a while since I've actually bought some of the comics. Mm -hmm. So uh, I had to do a bit of research in terms of, 
you know, finding out uh, or trying to figure out what part of the timeline this movie takes place or, and who the, the, uh, the little girl is. Yeah. I, she's going to, I think she's going to be Laura Kinney. Who's X 23. I believe it's a clone of, Wolver- of Logan. I think. Yeah, that's right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. She's a, uh, um, yeah. And she basically shares, uh, most of his properties. Like she's got the regenerative uh, healing factor, superhuman strength, senses, speeds, you know, Wolverine's reflexes. And, uh, she's got the retractable adamantium claws, yeah. uh, in her hands as well as in her feet. Yeah. She's bad as fuck. There's a, there's like a six book or an eight book series that introduces her. And so they, uh, they cloned her and they raised her from the point when she was like a small child. And they they kept her locked in this cage, and all they did was teach her to kill and turn her into this. She's like the the in the comics. I don't think it's I don't know if it's gonna be the same in the movie, but in the comics, she was like this trained from birth child assassin. She was crazy. Um, so eventually, they were training her to kill Wolverine. Um, so it's pretty cool. I'll have to buy that. Check it out. Yeah, uh, uh, if you have uh, an iPad, there's a, an app called Marvel Unlimited. It's I think it's seventy bucks for the year. And it's complete access to every Marvel comic ever released. Um, and mm. the new comics are on like a three to five month delay, but you still get them. Now, um, once you once you get them, is it only readable while you have your your membership? Uh, yeah, so it's you, you have to you're, you're like streaming them off of their site when you read them. OK, uh, you right. can only save 12 to your to your tablet for offline reading at a time, which is frustrating as all fuck for me because. I go on a six-month trip, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to load up on, you know, backlogs of uh, Marvel comics. It's like, I can take 12. Well, I'm going to have those read in the time I finish fucking doing up my zipper. (laughs) I know there's other ways to do it if you want to download. Um, I've got a couple apps I can let you know about. Yeah, definitely. We'll touch base on that after this. uh, Um, So what else else can we say about this? Um, Uh, It looks looks good. It looks... uh, Professor Xavier's in it. Um, So I don't know if he was like... Because he's, it's, this takes place, it looks like it takes place like years and years and years away. Uh, one, of the, one of the quotes that Logan makes in the, in the trailer is, uh, all of the, all the mutants are gone. So something has happened that has wiped, either wiped out mutants or they were taken away or they were destroyed or whatever. But Professor Xavier, A, didn't know about it, and B, uh, is still around afterwards. So I don't know if they're like saying that he was, if he's maybe traveling through time or, or what that it's going to be. Mm. Well, the, the research I pulled, because again, I got no freaking idea where the hell they are or, or wherever it takes place. But uh, so, X Men: Days of Future Past took place in 2023, where they where they had the Sentinels killing off all the mutants and and the human allies, right? Right, right. Um, so Kitty Pride in that movie sent Wolverine's mind back to his younger body in '73 to prevent Mystique from assassinating uh, Trask. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, so obviously that prevented the rise of the Sentinels. Um, and then when Wolverine reawakened in a new timeline where robots weren't slaughtering the mutants or humans, the X-Men's were whole again and everything seemed, uh, you know, proper and whatever. So reports online are that this movie, uh, takes place in 2024. So basically a year later after, uh, future past. Okay, but it's the altered timeline. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, roughly, uh, Professor X is, geez, he's got to be in his 90s for this time period. Yeah. So that fits into, like, you know, the the 
the state that we saw him in where he's like super feeble, uh, feeble. Wolverine had to kick him around for some things. Um, so you can sort of like attribute Wolverine's uh, malfunctioning healing powers and uh, uh, Professor X's like mental issues to their advanced ages. But um, it's almost like a factor of the Sentinels were in our, all actuality supposed to wipe out all the mutants. So the X-Men prevented that. So sort of time's way of, of fixing that and, and, and writing what should have happened uh, sort of led to whatever the cause was that eliminated all these mutants. So sort of like, you know, the those death movies where you cheat death, but death still wins. Yeah, Final Destination. Yep. Yeah, yeah, just like that. Yeah, it's uh, it's the uh, Jurassic Park theory. Life will uh, find a way. Exactly. <laughs> cool. It, it looks good. Um, I haven't, uh, I don't think I've seen a Wolverine movie in the theaters since X-Men... No, that's not true. I went to see uh, Age of Apocalypse. But uh, other than that, it's been a, a while since I saw one. And I actually might uh, might go check this one out when it comes out. But uh, it looked that interesting to me. And it's nice because I think this is Hugh Jackman putting a bow on it, wrapping it up, and uh, he's going to say goodbye to the character, I think, after this. Uh, he's done. He's been doing it for 16 years, so that's it's, enough. It's, it's crazy. In the time that he started doing Wolverine, I think we've had four Batmans, three yeah. Spider-Mans, and it's crazy. And he still looks good, but uh, obviously Wolverine ages a lot sh- uh, slower than everyone else. So, yeah, I think Jackman can only do it for so long. That's right, unless he's got some magical fountain of youth himself. There, <laughs> it looks good though. Like I like what they did in showing all the scarring on his body. How you know Wolverine's got shaky hands now, like he's sort of arthritic, and the years of battling have just started to uh, really affect him. Right? Yeah, definitely. So, but I'm curious, this X-23 has really got me intrigued, so I might uh, grab the comics and see what it's all about before the movie comes out. Yeah, give her a read. I really enjoyed her. She uh, she actually she joins up with X-Force as well later on, um, which is uh, sort of like a mutant hit squad led by Wolverine. It's Wolverine, her, um, there's a few different iterations of X-Force, but uh, the first one is is those guys, and uh, it's, it's from the 90s, and they all wear like black and gray outfits. It's very, I mean... Mm-hmm. 15-year-old me thought it was very cool. <laughs> yeah. So that's, uh, that's the Logan trailer. That's, that looks good. I'm definitely going to check that out. Um, so uh, i got one other thing for news, and then uh, uh, I'll see if there's any more after that. Uh, Nintendo Switch obviously was announced last week. The, the video came out. Um, the internet has been abuzz with rumors and factoids and possibilities and optimism and pest- pessimism and... One of the things that Nintendo said is uh, we're not going to give another announcement until next year, but they have dribbled out a few facts. Uh, one of them that I wanted to mention is that the uh, the Switch is not backwards compatible with Wii U and 3DS, um, which to me is a, it's a step in the right direction. I think Nintendo definitely needs to distance themselves from the Wii U. Now, I love, don't get me wrong, I love my Wii U, but... Uh, it was a commercial flop. It confused customers with the name because, let's face it, most people aren't that intelligent. Um, and uh, the 3DS is so successful on its own that I think you want to, you don't want to try and, if you tie the switch too closely to that, then people are going to be like, oh, well, it's just the new 3DS type thing. So I think that making it not backwards compatible is a good move. Uh, but, so this uh, is this is the first uh, Nintendo console. Uh, 
in modern day that is actually not backwards compatible, right? Yeah, I think uh, the Wii was the first one. So the Wii was backwards compatible with GameCube. The Wii U was backwards compatible with Wii. Um, and then this will be the first one that's not. But even if you look at their handhelds, it go- and their handhelds, it goes all the way back, like right back to Game Boy. Um, they could all play, they were all backwards compatible in their handhelds. Um, but as far as like modern consoles go, um, this generation was the first, with the exception of Xbox, who has changed it, uh, PS4 isn't backwards compatible, um, and the Xbox One launched not backwards compatible, but they have since said, you know what, the customers really want this, so we're going to give it to them. So I do have to give Microsoft credit for that. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's not like the 360, the 360 was successful. So I can understand them wanting to do that. In order for the, the I don't see any way that the Switch in its uh, portable mode would be able to play a disc-based game. And where it's only a single screen experience, I don't see how it could play a 3DS game without completely reworking the games because they're all dual screen. Right. So yeah, my, with the Wii, I actually, without a lie, I think I bought my Wii and probably played it between 12 to 15 times and packed it away. Never bought the Wii U, so I can't really say much about that system. But um, the one thing I have heard online is that basically what killed probably more so the Wii U than the Wii was just uh, Nintendo's marketing. So I'm wondering what their take is going to be on on how they properly market this this system. And it seems like they're sort of off to like um, a rocky start in terms of the argument, is it a handheld gaming console? Is it a, a, a home, home-based console? It seems like they're, they're flopping. And, and I, for me, I think Nintendo really needs to set a firm ground as to actually what this thing is and, and what, it, what it's, what it's going to do and where it's going to take Nintendo. Yeah. I think um, if they're intending to use this as both, if they're saying we're putting all of our eggs in one basket, because they did merge their, uh, home console and their their handheld console uh, R&D teams together into one team. They, they're they no longer separate teams. If if their intention is um, this is it, you get the NX, uh, sorry, you get the, the Switch and uh, you can play the same, we're only developing games for it. You can play them at home or on the go and that's it. Um, I don't think, I think that'll play itself out. But I think where a lot of the confusion at this point is is that up to this point, we've always known Nintendo to have a home console and a handheld console. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's always been two. There's always been that division. And Raiho Magnifico mentioned that uh, he he read an interview where they said that there would be a successor to the 3DS, um, and it's not the Switch. And that's confusing as all fuck. Like, if you're, I think the worst thing they can do, Nintendo is, is very strong when they can focus on one system. So if they just focus on the Switch, and I don't think it matters if they say, it's a handheld or it's a home console. I don't think it matters. If they just say it's a gaming um, machine, it's a, a machine designed for games that you can play in any environment, your house, a plane, a train, a submarine. Um, it doesn't matter where you play it, like re- completely remove, and I, I'm going to get into this a little more later, but completely remove that uh, that definition of, you know, does it have to be defined as a home console? Do we have to say it's a, you know, is it a gaming PC or is it just a PC type thing? Um, it, I think if they just, but you're, yeah, the, <laughs> I think if they just say, come out and say, this is it, but they have to tell us that there's no, because there's, they have to tell us there's no handheld because people will be turned away. They'll, people will look at it and say, well, I'm not into mobile gaming, so I don't want it if it's a mobile platform, despite the fact that 
you just leave it docked to your TV. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you think there will be a a, a successor to the 3DS? Uh, I really hope not. Um, ideally for me, this would be it. It would be just a Switch. I love my 3DS. It's my most played console. Due to the due to my the the work that I do and the fact that uh, I, I I I travel so much, having the ability to play my games mobile be portable is 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 mandatory for me. Um, so I like I, I like the size of the 3DS though, and I think the Switch might be a little bit big for. You know, 3DSs and whatnot, you can just shove it right into your jean pocket. And this, you, you know, starting like a bag to carry stuff around in, right? Yeah, that is, you know, that's a really good point. Because it's like, I think it's like a six-inch screen or a 6.7-inch screen, something like that. Don't quote me on that. I don't have the actual numbers. I'm sure somebody's screaming at their television or at their their speakers right now. P1, you don't know what you're talking about. But it, it does look a lot bigger. Uh, and you're right. It's definitely going to require like a carrying case or a bag. Um, I already use the 3DS XL which isn't small by any means. Um, but it is small enough that I can put it in my pants pocket at work. We have these ridiculous cargo pants for work that look like I'm a fucking mechanic. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I could put it in there. So the size, I think, could be an issue. Um, but I just don't like... Like right now, I'm playing Dragon Quest Seven on my 3DS, and I love it. And I was sitting in the parking lot the other day waiting for Colleen playing it, and two things came into my mind. And it was, man, it'd be really cool if I could be playing Dead Space for the game of the month. And on the side note, It'd be really cool if I could get home and fucking, because in the trailer, there's a guy who walks through his door. He's playing and he walks through his door. Just, he's not looking where he's going. He's obviously a fucking asshole, but he's playing as he's staring at this thing, walking through his apartment building. You know what I mean? His neighbors are probably saying hi to him and he's ignoring them because he's trying to make this triple jump for a fucking star coin or something. So he walks into his house and he takes it. He, he puts the whole system right into the dock, leaves the Joy-Cons attached to the tablet, slams it right into the dock, picks up his Pro Controller and keeps playing. That's... That's the that is how I will use that system. I'll have it as a as a mobile handheld device that I'll play with me on the go. I'll come home, it'll go into my dock. I'll pick up my pro controller. I'm never going to use turn the controller sideways and use them like little mini fucking controllers because that looks ridiculous. I'm never going to take them off and sit with you know sit with sit with them on either side of my body and play with them like the guy on the airplane. Uh, using up more space than he needs in a fucking airplane. Uh, Nintendo made a, a commercial full of assholes. Everybody I saw was <laughs> angry. That fucking, that moistened bank who's yelling out the window, come out and fucking hang out with us. And she's in there just trying to, you know, beat a level in Skyrim. Um, Did you notice that there weren't any kids in the video too? None. Not a, not a single one. But kids wanted, kids look at older people and think, man, they're cool. I want to be like them. When I was a kid, I wanted to be like my uncle. He's 11 years older than me. So if I see a commercial... And unfortunately, kids today think hipster douchebags are cool. So if I see a commercial full of hipster douchebags doing stuff, I'm like, oh, man, that's cool. I can't wait to be a hipster. I got to get my wool hat and my scarf and my keep my typewriter and go on to Starbucks and play my Nintendo Switch. Oh, there's a lot of anger going on here. <laughs> Getting steamed up. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I, I, would, I think I, I, would, I would rather them not divide. Don't make me choose. Don't make me choose between handheld and home. Give me one console that does both. Sony sort of tried to do it with the Vita, but then they just stopped releasing games for it. Now, what about the uh, the actual power base of the system? Because I think I think it's powered by an NVIDIA. Yeah, the Tegra. But, uh, it's, a, it's an upgraded version of the Tegra 1. But the issue where, again, I've never played it, but just going by from what I've heard, the issue one of the issues with the Wii U was it was sort of an underpowered system. Did you feel that? Uh, and, I th and I think a lot of the developers, um, 
sort of found that frustrating in a way, right? Yeah. One of the big problems with the Wii U is that it used a different architect, like a, a very radically different architecture than anything else had ever used up to that point. So developers that were making games, like, so you could, if you compare it to, um, say, PS3, Xbox 360, it is actually much more powerful. Uh, they only had 256 megabytes of RAM, um, where the Wii U has eight gigabytes, I believe. Um, so, uh, like, uh, a massive, maybe it's four gigabytes for PS4, uh, for Wii U, sorry. A massive increase in RAM and, and, and processor power and everything else um, in the Wii U, but it was so drastically different where the PS4 and the Xbox One went with AMD processor chips, um, which are very easy to to, use, to program for. Um, and they went with, like, everything... They built everything to make it easier for game developers, and Nintendo built everything not easier for game developers. Mm. So, yeah. the the I don't know if it was necessarily that it was underpowered to push them away. I'm sure that had something to do with it, but I think it was uh, that it was so... If I... If I have mold A and B, which are almost identical, which is your PS4 and your Xbox One, and porting between the two is is very, very simple, and then I have to go over here, so, you know, I can speak Canadian and American, and then I got to speak Latin, and it's like, well, you know what, Latin's a dead language, maybe I'm just going to stop making games for that. <laughs> um, so that hurt it, and I think with the Switch, the Tegra chip is already used in the NVIDIA Shield, which is a a gaming platform that people do develop for now. As well, it's uh, capable of running both the Unreal Engine 4, which is the, the current standard for, for gaming engines, and Unity, which is used by a lot of developers as well. And both of those companies have said, we are going to um, provide ways for these to run on the Switch so game developers will be able to use these engines. So that should help. Um, now, it doesn't mean we're going to get the... Uh, the Call of Duties and the Assassin's Creeds, like maybe, maybe not. I don't know, um, but I don't think you need that for a Nintendo console. I think as long as you have games made by third parties, as long as not everything is made in house by Nintendo, like you can have games that are unique to Nintendo, made by Bethesda, made by Ubisoft. Um, Zombie U was unique to N Nintendo, and that was a fun game. Um, Child of Light. Uh, Shovel Knight. Uh, these are games that are fun games that, yes, you can get on the PS4 and the Xbox One, but they would be just as fun if you got them on Nintendo. You know what I mean? So I don't necessarily think that third-party developers means clones of every game that everybody is making. I think it just means that you want to uh, expand the gene pool a little bit and give us some games that aren't all made in-house, you know, with Miyamoto standing over their shoulder telling them where to put their clouds. Right. Yeah. People want to see a bit of freshness um, in terms of what they can choose and play with. Yeah. And and people definitely are tired of, you know, we don't need to see another version or another port of Call of Duty or whatever other games are out there. Yeah, they, they may be good games. and But, you know, sort of you got to have a bit of a new crop introduced, right? And that's just it. And like they are like I'm not taking away from Call of Duty Battlefield. Those games are they're great games that I do not particularly for me, but people do love them. And they've already got a base on Xbox One, uh, on PS4, on PC, where they are loved and they're pushed and they're driven. And I don't I don't see anybody leaving for that. You know what I mean? It's it's the same. I'm trying to think of a good analogy. Like uh, I, I go to Netflix to watch uh, 
Netflix shows, you know what I mean? Luke Cage, Daredevil, stuff like that. Um, but I don't go to Netflix to watch network shows. Like I don't binge watch 18 seasons of Grey's Anatomy, you know what I mean? I go to Netflix to watch their shows, but I'm going to go to HBO to watch HBO shows. Like, Right. So it's not like I don't need there to be one. Now, granted, right now I'm using Exodus, which is an app on Cody, which streams everything all for free. It's great. But I don't need there to be one. Like, I don't need to have one solution. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of I, I have heard people say, like, I just wish there was one console where I could play everything on it. But I don't need that. Uh, I, I That's A, it's never going to happen. That's a pipe dream. Um, it's never going to happen. And... B, Nintendo games work best when they're made and developed on a Nintendo console. And I think Sony games work best when they're developed for a Sony console. And I, I just, I honestly believe there are different markets of people. It's a, there are overlaps, you know what I mean? Um, but there are different people who buy Xbox. There are different people who buy PS4. There are specific markets and types of people who want those systems. And those companies cater to the, the the types of people that they know are mostly buying their systems mm-hmm. um i'm going to try and say those are those sounding like i'm slandering xbox fans but it's the easiest one to make an example a lot when xbox first became really popular they fucking crushed it on online gaming so big on online gaming was a lot of military first person shooters you put a five or six xbox 360s in a dorm room and you start running the land party and all of a sudden this is just going to carry on well those people who were in university when this came out or were in high school when this came out are now old enough with expen- with uh, disposable income, and they're buying them. Microsoft knows these are the people that are buying their consoles. They know that they're not selling as well in Japan, where they're obsessed with uh, rhythm games and uh, collection RPGs. But they know that the people that are buying these games want to play Call of Duty, Halo, Gears of War. So they tailor their experience on their consoles to those people. Sony does it, Nintendo does it, and then there's nothing wrong with that. There, I fully believe that the planet should be diverse, that we should have people who like different things. Um, and I'm okay that I like Nintendo and that not everybody likes it. And I'm okay that, uh, because I, I have an Xbox 360 and we were talking before the show, Lost Odyssey's on there. And I'm loving it. It's great. You know what I mean? But it's definitely not the norm for 360 games. Uh, does it mean that I'm never going to play it because it's on a machine that focuses, that tailors to people I don't like? They're the people that are not like me. Ready and slip. Um, no, it doesn't mean that. You know what I mean? And I, I don't know. I think I think it's good that it's not backwards compatible with the Wii U and the 3DS. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we started this. <laughs> well, I like I like having all the separate systems too because it's I just I'm all for the competition. I think it just breeds hmm. you know, them trying to strive to build a better product against each other, right? Yep. If it was all if we're, if we're all just playing the same system or whatever, it, it can get um, you know we'd we'd basically be leaving it up just to the uh, the specific companies as to determine what we want to play. Yeah, no so, doubt. Yeah, look at cars. You buy a, you want to buy a sports car, you go see Porsche or Ferrari or Lamborghini. You know what I mean? You want to buy a pickup truck, you don't call fucking Mercedes. You know, like specific machines for specific jobs. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, that's all I got for news. <laughs> it's a long news segment. <laughs> uh, do you have anything that you wanted to bring up, uh, gaming news before we move on to the next? No, part? no, I don't actually know. Okay, perfect. So then we're going to move right into CC update. Um, for anybody who's, who's new to the show, doesn't know, cause we might be picking up some listeners from the Joe effect. Um, 
the uh, CC update is the part of the show where we talk about uh, what's happening in the cartridge club. So uh, I'm going to start by reading an iTunes review. We got a five-star review from The Glass Knight. Great episode. Thought that guy named Brazzle needs to brush up on his Super Ghouls and Ghosts knowledge. What a hoser. So this would have been our Super Ghouls and Ghosts October episode last October. Uh, thank you for the review. Anybody who is listening to the show and enjoys it and has an Apple ID, uh, if you could pop over to iTunes and just give us a, a review, um, however you think we're doing, whatever so many stars you think, uh, the reviews really help us out a lot. Uh, Dean Lasagna pointed out that every time you get a review, it gives you like a 20% bump in possible viewership. And more people listening means more people that can send me emails that tell me they hate me. So yeah. please do that. <laughs> Listen, you're, you're doing it wrong. You're being way too nice. You're asking. <laughs> oh, yes. Tell me how it's done. How do I do this? <laughs> well, you lazy you lazy fucks. It takes like two seconds to leave a review on iTunes. If you enjoy this product, you enjoy listening to it, take 10 seconds out of your life, go to iTunes, make up some bullshit review. It doesn't matter what you say as long as you leave a review. <laughs> done. So, huh? That sounds good to me, man. <laughs> I'm going to leave a review right now. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Birthdays. Uh, happy birthday, Paul the Cartridge Canuck. Sunday, October 30th. Paul is turning 72. Big year for mm. Paul. He looks a lot younger. He does. He does. And let me Where's find... he? Where's he disappeared to? I know he's had a kid. Yeah, so I never, I never see and I never hear him anymore. I think I, I thought on our end, Bill pissed him off. So, ah, but, no, no, he uh, he went and uh, it was uh, it wasn't a kid. He's in Philadelphia now, I think. But yeah, he had it. So he used to stream like every Tuesday night, um, and then it just stopped. And then he was doing the Google Hangouts that uh, that he completely came up with on his own. Um, and, yeah, that's uh, it. <laughs> yeah so he is the only birthday this week um uh yeah he uh he, he just sort of vanished i don't know he's in philadelphia right now um he's he's a world traveler he's a globe trotter but uh, I, uh i'm just paul. saying we i'm just saying we miss him that's all yeah yeah definitely definitely um he's he's sort of like a third co-host for your show isn't he <laughs> <laughs> i know he's been he's been featured on more shows than anybody <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, game of the month. This will just be a quick plug. December's or December. I wish October's winding down and uh, playing Dead Space. We record this weekend for the show. Uh, I started it up again this week. I have beaten it in the past, uh, and uh, I'm having as much fun with it this time as I did then. But I'm really excited for the show. We have uh, we actually have four guests lined up this weekend uh, instead of the usual three um, because of a scheduling snafu. So I uh, look forward to Dead Space. Did you have a chance to play that, Joe? You know what? I played it back in the day. Yep. And um, I think I got about at least halfway through it. Uh, certainly a scary game. I'm not known for playing scary games. Um, I normally have to play them during the daytime. Oh, okay, okay. Yep. I'm one of those there's guys. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing but, wrong with uh, that. I, got, I got to one point in a game where I was in some kind of lab room, and I think I ran out of ammo or something. This alien kept dropping from the ceiling and kept on killing me, so I, I called it quits, and then I meant to start up for this uh, game of the month, and I already had two other games on the go, so I thought I'd just pass on it. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, Dragon Quest Nine and Lost Odyssey are both probably uh, a better use of your time over this month than uh, – 
because Dead Space is jam packed with jump scares. Yeah, <laughs> it's like oh yeah, it's bad. It's uh, so you'd uh, you'd have all the lights on, a window open, and uh, a friend coming over to sit with you. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's 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 full of them. Uh, God knows the wife like wouldn't it. sit with me. Oh really? No. <laughs> I uh, my wife. I was playing the other night, and I turned all the lights off in the house. I wait till nighttime. I shut every light off. I closed all of the curtains to make sure there was no street lamps, street lamps getting in. And I had my 14-year-old daughter in the living room and, and Colleen on the sofa. And uh, I started playing it. And Colleen, she was looking at her phone, looking at stuff for the upcoming wedding. She looks at me. She goes, what are you playing? Dead Space. She was like, your child's going to have nightmares. And I was like, she'll be fine. She was like, I'm going <laughs> to have nightmares. <laughs> so we switched over to Paper Mario Color Splash. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Dead Space, check that out. Uh, next month is Parappa the Rapper, the first ever rhythm game to make it to the Cartridge Club. So that's also mm. going to be exciting. We'll see. I think Mrs. Q-Dog is looking forward to that one, isn't she? Yeah, I asked Dean to see if he could pick me up a copy of the game when he was in Portland. And uh, apparently there was like almost a knife fight over who was going to get copies of that mm. down there. So <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Q-Dog won. She's definitely yeah. a member of the Jets. <laughs> I never owned that game. I remember I rented it from, I guess it would have been Blockbuster back in the day. And, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, I wasn't that impressed with it, but whatever. It's certainly an interesting choice. I've never, I don't think I've known anybody to finish it. So, I hear it gets really, really hard. Yeah. I'm sure Dean can pull it off, right? He's probably already done. <laughs> give six, I give him six hours and he's done the game. Yeah, that's right. Day one, Dean. <laughs> Um, so let's see what's going on this month. New STC pod. Uh, it's, uh, instead of having Joe as per usual, it has uh, P2 on there. So the show's half as, the show's half as good as it normally is. Uh, your uh, brother, check I, out. I told you before we logged on though, I, I, <laughs> and I, I do have to give your brother uh, credit. He did an excellent job. Yeah. Uh, fa- fantastic host. I, I listened to it as I had to edit a podcast that I wasn't even on. And, yeah, uh, so that's the part I had a question about. So, when you're so when I was sailing, Mark I, Mark had to had to edit the shows. Um, so when you're not around, I guess it doesn't happen. But so without you, there is no show. Because if you're not there, Bill's not going to be able to edit it himself. Is that uh, does he just not have a computer capable of editing? Or yeah, well he does, but I, I do it all on GarageBand. So okay, uh, yeah, we've yeah. always this is actually the first time I've never been on one of our shows. And and when I say edit, you know we barely edit the shows anyway it's just a matter of in case some audio distorts through uh you know the recording process yeah. i might have to cut a clip out or something like that but Take aside from that the, uh, do, uh, yeah i prefer not to do any editing yeah so no it, it well, they're great shows uh and there, there's never any sound issues so it's uh, it's really good i know uh sometimes with our shows my mic for whatever reason it hasn't happened since i got the new mic but uh Every now and then it sounds like I'm recording from the back of a fucking pickup truck. So <laughs> those are frustrating. I've been doing this for three years and it still sounds like I'm fucking in a wind tunnel. And I'm testing out the new Ford Fusion here. <laughs> uh, so check out the new STC pod. Uh, it's actually up now because uh, you're hearing this on Sunday, even though it's also up now, which is Thursday. You'll figure it out. <laughs> um, new bonus barrel. Left couldn't make it for this episode. Uh, but uh, Shelby is back, which is good. Uh, she is quickly becoming everybody's favorite. Um, and uh, you can actually, if you listen to it, you can learn a lot about uh, furries and BDSM. Thanks to Rob. 
Uh, and, oh, big one that you wanted to mention, uh, Duke's first uh, review. Yeah, he did a fantastic job. I, I gave him props right away. And uh, I hope he continues to do it. He did, uh, uh, what was it, Castlevania? Symphony of the Night. Symphony of the Night. And I wanted to say four for some reason. Because yeah, I've been talking about yeah. Karen for the last <laughs> yeah. 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Great job, Duke. If you guys haven't checked out his videos, go to YouTube and look up uh, uh, Retro Nonsense. Yeah, yeah, definitely do that. It's You're going to watch this, and I don't know if Joe and you saw it, but I looked at it and I was like, this is his first review? Because it is really yeah. well done. It was excellent. Yeah. He, uh, he did a fantastic job, Duke. So please do more. I think he hinted that he, he's going to try and do them just for games he hasn't played before. So I think uh, he mentioned Bloodlines might be up next, Castlevania Bloodlines. So that'd be cool. Uh, yeah. Definitely, definitely check that out. Is it, uh, uh, is it possible to see more or somehow link or have our own uh, hosting of it on the Cartridge Club website? His video? Yeah. Yeah, it should be there. He has his own page. Is it up there? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I will verify right now. If it is, like, see, he, the way it works is the people that post to the site uh, have to upload their own videos, just like you guys upload your show, your podcast. Mm-hmm. Um. But under the videos section, let's see, Duke might not have put it up yet. Uh, retro nonsense. No, it's there. It is definitely there. Um, so on the Cartridge Club page, uh, on the home page is a scroller that uh, gives you updates as people upload things. And weird. Oh, it's it's just the top one. Number one on the list. Oh, beautiful. So uh, yeah, you can either go to the main page and get it. We'll go right to Duke's page and see it there. So if you go to www.cartridgeclub.org, you can check out Duke's uh, video. And while you're there, you can check out the In the Q-Dog house that uh, uh, took us through their trip to the Portland Retro Gaming Expo, which was this weekend. Uh, so jealous. Yeah, are you like that photo of uh, Jeremy Threeb, Rocket Sauce, Dean, um, and the Q-Dogs in the backyard, uh, Musty, forget about Musty. He's the Bradley Cooper of the Cartridge Club. <laughs> <laughs> um, when the, the photo of them in the backyard in the treehouse, I, I, I was t- I was messaging Dean back and forth, and I was just like, I need to be there. I need I, I need to be there so badly. Uh, very jealous. Um, I was talking to uh, I was talking to Bill today about. I wish there was some way that Haji could do the Barry Game Exchange, uh, created into some sort of similar fashion where it can be more than just like an afternoon event, maybe somehow put it, put it over two days or something like really yeah. expand it. Right. Because like, well, for us, you're in the East coast, but you know, uh, the people that I hang around with, we're in Ontario, uh, Toronto area. So it'd be nice. Like there's nothing around us that's really centralized like Portland or whatever that would really focus everyone to come to us. Cause for us to go to Portland is financially is just off the table. Yeah. It's crippling. It's it's a thousand dollar round trip just for the flight <laughs> from here from Halifax. for you guys. Yeah, and I figured for us it'd be a thousand for the flight, uh, accommodations, and food. Yeah, not to mention so, yeah. add on whatever you want to buy too, right? Exactly. So um, plus those uh, the Portland massages that I keep hearing about those are two hundred bucks a pop. <laughs> but I, yeah, I would love to go. You know what? I I think. I was supposed to go up for Barry this summer, uh, car accident, nixed that, thanks fate, um, 
but I do believe that next summer, Dean mentioned that he might be going back next summer. I think Mark and I are going to try and drive up uh, next summer to the Barry Game Exchange. But you're right. If that could be a two-day event, um, and you wouldn't even have to do the Game Exchange as a two-day event. If, if we had enough interest, it could even just be Cartridge Club interest for people to fly in on the Saturday um, and and have, like, instead of having the barbecue the day after the... Uh, the day after the, the game exchange, have it on the Saturday, you know what I mean? Um, and then people could have a couple of drinks or whatever, unwind, and then people could go to the game exchange. I don't know. I'm sure we could probably figure something out to get it that way. I don't know how feasible it is for Hodge to turn it into a convention, but that would be awesome. And it is closer. That's only a, a 16, 17-hour drive for me, um, which is much, much preferable. Yeah, a hell of a lot cheaper, too. Yeah, yeah. Mark and I are going to stay in your pool house for the next one. Sure, I'll set, I'll set it up. <laughs> we only need one cot, a single-sized cot, please. <laughs> so you hear that, Haji? Get it going. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Ball's in your yeah. court. And the last thing I have is Canadian Retro doing a 24-hour live stream, November 5th and 6th for charity. Um, check that out. If you can't give any money, just spread the word. Retweet it. Um, share it on Facebook. Post it on Tumblr. Uh, apply it to your LinkedIn profile. Put it on your MySpace. Uh, one of the social media things. It's on LimeWire. Uh, just get the word out there. Uh, it's for kids, and it's uh, a club member uh, playing games for 24 hours, so that should be fun. Yeah, absolutely. It's for a good cause, and it doesn't cost you anything just to spread the news. So even if you don't donate to it, just spread it out there once, and uh, hopefully uh, Canadian Retro can uh, uh, bring in a good haul this year to donate. Yeah, I think he already hit his target. I think his target was $100, and I believe the last time I checked, he was already at that. Um, so that's good, but let's see if we can get him to 200 Um I think that's it for club news. Uh, move on to the spotlight portion. This is always yeah. my favorite my favorite part. So uh, CC Spotlight, we're going to talk about a club member who, uh, who has gone above and beyond, who has done something really special. Um, Sometimes there's no criteria. We just randomly pick one. There are some weeks we forget, and we uh, just read whatever name messages last. But this week, we put some thought and effort into it. Uh, Joe and I talked about it. We wanted to pick somebody who'd done a great job. Uh, we couldn't pick Duke because he had already been one. Uh, otherwise, his review definitely would have got him nominated. Um, so instead, we went with somebody that uh, has been a longtime member of the club and who, for me anyway, um, has been an inspiration just in... Uh, the way that he does his videos, the way that he carries himself uh, publicly and privately, uh, as well as uh, the the always top-notch work that he does on his podcast. Um, and that's Rambox. So this week, we're going to give our spotlight to Rambox. And Joe had some really good reasons as well. Yeah, I really, uh, when he had talked about, uh, I think he had teased initially, he was getting out of collecting, but more so on the fact that he was going to trim down his collection uh, you know, to titles and games uh, that really meant something to him. Mm. Um, I really, I really hit home to me because at that point, I I was at a place where, you know, I'd be running out and you know buying games, pretty much, not uh, not because I wanted them, just because I didn't have them in my collection. And for me, it it when after I heard him say all this stuff, it was just like. I sat myself down and think, do I really want to have a collection of stuff that I don't really care about either? So for me, I've, 
I've sort of taken his aspect and trimmed my collection down quite considerably, either getting rid of stuff or selling it and, um, you know, just sort of trimmed it to a point where it's games that I only care about or I've played in the past. So it's definitely uh, easier on the wallet. Um, it makes me happier about collecting, to be honest with you. Yeah. Cause it- I, hate ju- I hate just having stuff for reason to have it or because other people have it you know it's it's a lot more meaningful when it actually has you know i can think oh i played that in the past or i remember playing that with a bunch of friends and you know the happy memories that it brought so uh thanks to vox for you know doing that for himself and for actually making me sit down and sort of reprioritize my collection yeah i that episode um of fandango was that was really good because when when Richard came out and said that, at first when he said, you know, I'm done, I think he, I think he said I'm done collecting games, and yeah, yeah. it was sort of that shock value. But it, it it made it by him coming out and saying it, and it's it's weird, but you know, it's like when a big celebrity comes out and says, you know, no, I love uh, Pilates. It makes it okay to do Pilates. Well, when Richard came out and said, I'm cutting back my games to a smaller, focused number of games that really mean something to me. It made it. It's like it made it okay for anybody who was on the fence or who wasn't sure. You know what I mean? Or who was sitting, you know, in in a room with stacks and stacks and stacks of games thinking, what the fuck am I going to do here? It, it, it made it okay. Like, you know what? I'm not the only one who has a bunch of games here that maybe I don't need. Yeah, and I know I love busting busting balls about Retro Fandango, but if I can give credit where credit's due, um, uh, or at least a compliment anyway, uh, I think Kevin's found himself a great host that only makes their podcast that much greater, so... Yeah, the two of them are a really good team, and uh, they do um, an amazing job, and they have been doing an amazing job for for two years. So that's that's Richard. Check him out on Twitter at the Ramvox. Check him out on YouTube where it's just the Ramvox, or maybe just Ramvox. Uh, check him out on Retro Fandango, which you can get on iTunes, just your Google Play. And uh, yeah, he's a he's a fantastic guy, and I definitely recommend him. All right. Next up, we got uh, CC Rants. Um, this is mm. this is going to be the longest show I think we've had. Um, that's all right. It's it's okay. I only get to talk to you once in a while. I talk to P two all the fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already having way more fun. Um, so Rants this week. Um, this was sort of born. It came to me. I wasn't sure what we we're gonna talk about. Uh, I don't know if there's that much that that Joe and I disagree on enough that you would get a good argument out of us uh, on the air. Um, maybe there isn't, but we just haven't discovered it yet. But uh, I wanted to talk about uh, labeling and labels. Specifically, um, it, it came about because of the debate of, is the Nintendo Switch a handheld or is it a home console? And um, everything in life, my, my, my answer to that is outside of the realm of their bet because it, it does matter for their bet. But uh, in in reality, what does it matter what you call it? What does it matter if it's a handheld or if it's a home console? It's a system you play games on. Uh, why does society feel this need to fit everything into a label? Uh, we label our game genres. We label our movie genres. We label our people. We label our genders. We label our sexualities. Uh, we label our... Um, Everything. We label everything. Uh, you know, our vehicles. It's a SUV. You know, it's an HSUV. You know, it's a CSUV. Like, 
what does it what does it matter what what does it matter if the Nintendo Switch is a handheld or a home console? As long as it is an, as long as it, you can play games on it and you have fun. Who cares what you call it? What does it matter if um, Bioshock is called a first-person shooter or if it's a first-person action game or a first-person adventure? Uh, another a big one for me is Resident Evil Four, and this one is as I was thinking about this topic, Resident Evil Four. Um, if you ask me what it is, if you would ask me what it was before I played it, I would have said it's a survival horror game. When I actually played it, it is not a survival horror game. It is an action adventure game, third person shooter. Um, I'm doing it right now. Uh, <laughs> um, but I went into it expecting a survival horror and I was disappointed. I was disappointed because it didn't meet the arbitrary label that we had stuck on it. So why do we do that? Why do we label things? Why, what is the purpose of that? And how do we stop it? I don't think you can ever stop it, but I think I think we do it because we just sort of want to have what we do or what we're interested in have meaning and have some sort of importance, right? Mm-hmm. So you, we're, it, it's it's not necessarily labeling, but it's just a way of trying to get our point across. I think, and I completely agree with you. It's it's I got very little patience for. I guess a lot of needless uh, expenditure of energy. So yeah. I can't be bothered to do arguments with stuff like that, like action adventure, RPG. I don't give a shit. What, what You call it whatever you want. Do you like the game? That's what's important. Um, yes. And for us, if I can take, you know, gaming is just, is pretty much half of my collecting hobby. My other hobby is I, I collect transformers and, Collecting can be sort of like a vicious, if, if I can just sort of confine it to the hobby of collecting and gaming, it's sort of like a, a, it can be pretty vicious sometimes. And between the two communities, Transformers and, and video game collectors, I can say that honestly, that the game collectors are way more open to, to uh, you know, opinions and, 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 and to what other people think as opposed to what the, the, the TF community is. Um, so would you say that Transformers community, because it's a community I don't know anything about, would you say that uh, they're more, these are, you know, if you're a Transformers collector, you collect G1 or you collect Beasties or you collect, you know what I mean? Like are they, do they label it? Because even the word collector I find is a label that we'll throw on people. We'll throw the word collector. We'll throw the word gamer uh, out there. And almost like they're bad things. Like, well, are you a collector or are you a gamer? Like, uh, I'm a fucking I'm a person who likes video games. That's what I am. Yeah, yeah I got a bunch of them on my wall. You know what I mean? Um, is is transform like is the transformer community that same way? Are they is, are they um, resistive to this is what it is and that's that's just the way it is type thing? I think so. Yeah, and and I was and I was with them for a number of years and never really found a community as open as, you know, basically what the cartridge club is. So, uh, that's because of of man love Tuesdays. That's why we're so open. Oh, that must be uh, the live stream of, uh, of musty. (laughs) But just, just the fact of, like you said, having to expend the energy of just trying to compete as to what something actually is. It's such a waste. Like why can't we just, just agree that it's, yeah, we, we enjoy gaming and some of us like, one type of genre and other people like another type of genre and whether it's a handheld or it's a, a home console, really who gives a shit, right? 
Yeah. I, uh, and I, I, again, I want to reiterate for the purposes of their bet, uh, I understand why they're trying to label the, the Nintendo Switch. This is not a commentary on that on that closed environment of them trying to figure that out for the bet. I'm not making a commentary on that. It's a commentary in general on yeah. society, the gaming community, everything. Um, and it's, it, I think you really nailed it, Joe. It, it is, it's the constant feeling like you have to defend your position or defend your, you know, your stance on something over a label or over a, a title. It's like, that doesn't matter. It's exhausting. I just, I, I have stopped. I'm at the point where I'm just not going to do it anymore. I'll just walk away and say, okay, whatever. Um, because it doesn't matter to me if the, uh, I'm looking at my shelf for a game that I might have to label differently. <laughs> Metal Gear Rising, uh, Revengeance. Um, it's a it's an action adventure sort of hack and slash game made by Platinum, but it's, it says Metal Gear Rising on it. Um, so there are a lot of people from like Metal Gear fans are like, well, it's not a real Metal Gear game. Like, well, yeah, no, it's, it's a side thing, but who like who cares? It's a fun game. Like, doesn't matter what the fucking yeah. name is. It's fun. You know what I mean? Uh, there's a lot of stuff like that. It's just. And Resident Evil 4 was the biggest one for me. And, I, and I, I am guilty of that. If I had just gone into it expecting a game, I would have probably enjoyed myself. But I went into it expecting a very specific thing. And I didn't get that. And then I got angry because I felt like, well, who does this game think it is trying to put itself off as this one? It's not that. It's like, it's a fucking game, man. It's a game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and I just, I wonder why, why? I just, because we do it in everything. Like, everything. But you know what really bothers me is um, not so much that labeling, but when people start commenting on pricings of games that you buy, like yeah. "oh, you overpaid for that" or "this is that," it's just like, oh, f- or uh, that one's a heavy hitter, so it's got to be worth this much. And it's, it's just yeah. the terminology really frustrates me, and, and the, the pricing of the, what people place on some of these games is just a real turnoff. So. I've gotten to the point where I just stop telling people what I pay for stuff because I don't need to be critiqued or criticized on that as well. Well, it's and it's not a competition. You know what I mean? Like, it's, I'm not competing against you to see which one of us can get Super Metroid for cheaper. It doesn't make me feel better about myself if I got it for five dollars cheaper than you got it. Right? That's all I got for rants. I, uh, that was a good one. Yeah, I think the, I think the, the the listeners will be happy. <laughs> so now we'll move on to CC answers. So this is the part where you ask myself and my brother questions, but he's not here. And uh, we answer them. Uh, so instead, I will, I will try I, to think like your brother. That's right. Yeah. Um, so just really love platformers <laughs> and really hate the PS2. <laughs> uh, so let's see. First up from uh, Retro Kaiser, he says, uh, "What do you guys think about vinyl records and vinyl record collectors like like himself?" I personally like vinyl because I'm a retro collector. Uh, I've always enjoyed. Uh, for me, one of the favorite aspects of vinyl is the big, nice artwork that you get on the front cover. And if you get the ones that fold open, you get that extra piece inside. You just you don't get that anymore, like or when they switched over to CDs and, and whatnot. So for me, I love the artwork aspect of it. I love the old feel quality of, of the uh, the actual vinyl in your hands and having to put it on the turntable and, and, and do the needle and all that such. Um Audio quality, I've never been – for me, that's not the reason why I do it. I just like the, the, the tactile experience of, of doing it the old way. Yeah, I could see that. I definitely could see that. Did they, I never had a lot of vinyl as a kid. We were 
cassette tapes and CDs. Uh, I know CDs and cassettes had the lyrics in them. Did, did the vinyl come with the lyrics? Yeah, they'd have the sleeve that the actual record would go into, and then obviously that goes into the cardboard of the of the the record case. But um, yeah, for the most part, it'd be printed on the front and back side of the white sleeve that the the vinyl would go into. It uh, it seems as we switch to more of a digital age and everything, we lose some of those those nicer touches. You know what I mean? But uh, I could definitely see the the attraction to. <clears throat> but if you look at it now too, though, vinyl is is more of a seller than DVDs are, right? Or CDs, sorry, not DVDs. Yeah, well, they're uh, they're making a resurgence, I believe. Yeah. Like it's and they're, they're not actually, cheap. No, no, they're not cheap at all. Um, I was actually at uh, V Squared tonight with uh, the family, and uh, they had a, a record section. And as I passed it, I thought of you, to you and Bill. I didn't stop to look through any of them because I wouldn't have known what to look for. Um, yeah, I've, like, I've given up looking through there. Uh, very rarely will you find something, well, at least that I'll find something that either I like or is in the condition that I like my items. So I'd rather honestly go and pay for a nicer condition. Yeah. original or even if i get like a, a reissue is fine it's i'm not buying it to you know to uh retire on later by selling it you know i'm no, buying exactly. it i want to have it in my collection yeah thanks for your question retro kaiser uh that's final records retro kaiser asked another question what is your favorite video game expo uh i've never been to a video game expo so i don't have an answer i think it would be if i had to pick i would say portland's probably the best one that i've seen um if we can count the Barry Game Exchange as an expo, that would that would likely be near the top of my list as well. What about yourself? You've been to I know you've been to Transformer conventions. Have you been to an actual video game expo or just the, the Barry Game Exchange? No, just the Barry one. Yeah, That's the answer. Uh, I love I love to go to the Portland one. Obviously, as I've said, but uh, it's not in the books. Uh, I refuse to go to the Waterloo one. So uh, Barry, it is. I have a question here before oh, yeah. I forget, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, Bill from STC Pod asks, "What is the most embarrassing thing you have walked in on your brother doing?" <laughs> I now I honestly forgot that two shows in a row. Um, that wasn't uh, an intentional. I don't think I ever walked in on P two doing anything embarrassing. Um, I can't think of anything. I can think of an embarrassing thing he walked in on me on. Uh, so we used to play EverQuest together uh, online. And there was this girl, uh, her character's name was uh, C-H-A-N-T-E-A. She lived in Florida, I believe. Florida. We used to play together. So one night I went up to the bar drinking and I came home uh, and I started, I logged in EverQuest to play and I passed out in my chair. Um, but my character had been running along in the water, had been running along uh, following this girl that we were playing with. And I had stopped in, a, in the bottom of a lake. So in EverQuest, when you die, there was a hefty uh, experience penalty for a death. So she had stopped uh, running and was casting underwater breathing on me. And she, for two hours, she did this uh, to save me from dying until Mark happened to log on. This is, we still live at my, my parents' house at this time. So when Mark, as soon as Mark logged on, she said, uh, "Can you go over to your brother's room and wake him up? I think he, I think he passed out in his chair." And Mark came over, and I was passed out face down on the keyboard. Uh, and the character was still running into the wall at the bottom of the lake. <laughs> and I think that's probably the most embarrassing thing that he's walked in on me. And like I said, Mark doesn't, he just doesn't do anything embarrassing. Um, I don't think I, yeah, I can't think of anything that I've ever walked in on him doing. But uh, that was an accident, Bill. I was not, 
If uh, I did not intentionally leave that question out two weeks in a row, I, I, I do apologize. I'm glad Joe brought it up. <laughs> um, next up from Julian Vega. Uh, is the toilet paper at your work good or bad? Do you carry your own? Recommendations. Uh, my toilet paper at work, it, most people would say it's bad. It's extremely thin and extremely rough. But I like that because as far as I'm concerned, based on, just based on the job that it's doing, toilet paper shouldn't be soft and fluffy. <laughs> you know what I mean? I want to know that I'm clean. I would use sandpaper if I could. I want to I wanna make sure that it's... It's getting everything it is. I don't want to pat down and feel like I'm pampering my asshole. Um, <laughs> so I use the stuff at work. Um, and it's, it's well, very thin because of the, the toilets we have. Um, that's why. So uh, what were you, uh, Joe? What toilet paper you Yeah, I, I say ours is the same. It's, it's not uh, what you would call high-end triple-ply toilet paper, <laughs> but I pull enough off and wrap it around my hand that it feels soft enough. Yep. So... In a way, uh, and again, I, I think for the most part, I'm not too messy. So, yeah, it all works out. I don't want to get into too much detail. Uh, next up from Steven Eider. When will the NX prediction special be uploaded? Uh, so, three times now, Mark and I have recorded Cartridge Club mini episodes that we were going to air. Um, one of them we didn't put up. Uh, it was me, him. And I can't remember who else was on it now. Uh, we didn't. It never got aired for whatever reason. The second one, I, I was traveling. Oh, it was me, him, Rambox, and Kevin. Uh, never, never made it to air. The second one was also when I was traveling. It was me, him, and Kevin. Um, and that one didn't make it to air because I'm pretty sure at one point we started talking about uh, Curtis from Girlfriend Versus and Nazis. And I don't think we were talking about them. I, like, I don't think we were saying Curtis was a Nazi. But that's so the conversation took some dark turns. Uh, I was in Italy. And uh, so that one never made it to air. So two weeks ago, I recorded a NX Predictions episode um, with uh, Steven Eider and Adam from Replayability. And it was the third attempt at a Cartridge Club mini episode. Uh, and two days uh, after we recorded it, they actually released the video for the NX, making our predictions completely null and void. So the answer to that, Steven, is probably never. Uh, because I would feel silly re- releasing a predictions episode uh, a week after we've actually seen the event. Um, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, oh, this is a good one. Uh, Nintendo Hodge asks, what are your top five movie horror movie villains? Uh, I.e. Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers, etc. So I'm going to let you go first, Joe. Oh, thanks. I got no, no time to think about this. Uh, well, I, can go, I have been thinking about it. So I'll tell you, what, I'll do one of mine, and then you can go. Okay. Um, so on my list... Uh, I have uh, Regan from The Exorcist. I think she was a fantastic... I'm going to use the term villain loosely in that case because um, she was just a girl who was possessed, but I think she did a really good job. So uh, Regan from The Exorcist is definitely on my list. Uh, hmm. As well, the alien from uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Another one definitely uh, near the top of my list. Uh, let's see. What was it again? Movie villains? Horror movie villains. Horror movie villains. Yeah. So, uh, there's also, uh, I do watch a lot of horror movies. Um, I never really got into it, so Pennywise didn't really do it for me. The guy from Hellraiser was never a big deal. Uh, oh, Michael Myers is definitely on my list. I just, I like the Halloween series. Uh, Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees aren't really, I didn't really get into those that much. 
Um, I always liked more of the one-off horror movies. Uh, Ghostface from the first Scream was good. Uh, I would put him on there. And uh, oh, what's that girl? Is it Samara? Samara Moran, I think, from The Ring. Um, so those would be my five. Um, hmm. Yeah. You watch a lot of horror movies? You probably don't. Yeah, you know what? Actually, I don't because I yeah. don't like scared. Uh... That's all right. Hmm. You don't have to have an answer. <laughs> yeah, like the only horror movies I usually watch are like vampire ones or werewolves or stuff like that. But a lot of that time it's, you know, they're mostly misunderstood. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how much Dracula's misunderstood. He definitely is sucking the life out of people. <laughs> Frankenstein's yeah. misunderstood. Yeah, but he still he still loves. Like he loves. Like it's it's. That's true. He does. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll pass on this question. All right. Thanks, Archie. Where were you? Let me know your five uh, favorite uh, horror movie villains on the forums at uh, org under the new CC Weekly section. Next up. Matt Bandy at X Matt Bandy X asks, have either of you played the Phoenix Wright series? If so, what are your thoughts? Uh, I have uh, played the first game in the first, I played the first game in the series and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, have you played them, Joe? Phoenix Wright? I have not, but it actually is as I'm looking through on my iPhone right now uh, on my game want list. Yeah, it's, it's really Phoenix, uh, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney for the DS, right? Yeah, that's the one. I played that one. Uh, I got the digital copy because um, there was a sale. You could get like all three of them for 15 bucks or something like that. Yeah, um, I know nothing about the series, but just from what I've seen online through uh, game reviews, it's uh, – I forget who recommended it. I don't know if it was like uh, – it may have been Pam, I think. But um, yeah, it's on my list to grab if I can find it at the right price. Yeah, definitely. I, I do. Uh, so for yourself and Matt both, I really enjoyed that first one. Uh, and it's like a – it's like a visual novel. They ask questions and you go to a crime scene and you have to touch things and investigate it and put the clues together. The only frustrating part I found is that I figure out what the answer is way faster than the game expects you to figure it out, but you still got to jump through other fucking hoops. So I'm like, I'm just sitting there. I'm screaming like, this is good. This is who did it. This is how we did it. And they're like, we have to go find this thing. And I'm like, you don't have to find it. This is (laughs) next up. Vintage video game geek says when someone asks a question, why I'm going to put it in the actual English. I'm sure he had to limit this due to Twitter. Uh, when someone asks you a question, why do you always ask them the same question? Has anyone ever answered? Um, so vintage, I think what you're referring to is uh, in this segment, people ask us questions and at the end of it, we'll say, what do you think? Uh, I, I just did it with Hodge. I actually set this question up by doing that with Hodge. Um, so uh, yeah, people do actually often uh, respond either on Twitter or on the forums that we just created or on the YouTube videos. Uh, or on the podcast comments and tell us their answers as well, as do other people. Um, they, uh, yeah, they do all the time uh, when we ask ask them the when we repeat, repeat their question back to them. Um, and it's sort of like how you build a dialogue with people online, where it's not always easy to do. Um, that's why we do it. Uh, next up, Jeremy Threeb. Here we go. How much do you hate using touchscreens? Um, I don't hate using touchscreens. I like using touchscreens. I hate greasy sausage finger prints all over my touchscreens. Uh, I actually carry, so I joke and see it, I carry this cloth with me everywhere. Um, and I am constantly wiping the screen off. Yeah, on my I, I just use my t-shirt when I do mine. I know uh, what you mean, though. 
these protective protective glass covers that you put over the the original screens yeah you touch it once and you can see like your fingerprint for days oh it's there for it's like a month and it's, i feel like i just fucking like i just double fisted a kfc bucket you know what i mean like yeah i don't mind the touch i like the the ease of a touch screen that i enjoy but what i hate is is exactly that that the screens always always look dirty and like so i'm constantly wiping it off and you know what really pisses me off is if you're driving your car, you're sitting there talking, and somebody's like, "Hey, take a look at this," and they put their phone in your face, and the light glints off it, and all you can see is this fucking CSI crime scene of fingerprints where they've been swiping and tapping and texting, and oh my god! You hope that's all they've been doing to it. No shit, right? Like it's 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 painful. That's so it's not necessarily the test screens that I don't like. It's the the marks and the residue left on because I, like I watch videos on here and I look at I want it to be clean and look nice and. I can't handle that, uh, that all that smear and goo, and who knows where my fucking. And then somebody else asks to borrow your phone, and I'm like, I'm just watching in horror. And it's like, like if it was a movie, they would do like a slow motion close up of my face, and it's just, I'm watching as their their greasy fingers are rubbing all over my phone, and it's. Or they make a phone call and they put it up, and you get the earwax. Oh and... yes, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> why are you touching your my phone to your head? It's gonna. You don't have to get that close to your fucking head. You can hear what the other person is saying. <laughs> if I get my phone back and there's an earprint on it, we're gonna have words. <laughs> Thanks for the question, Jeremy. What about you? How do you feel about touchscreens? <laughs> Duke from Metro Nonsense asks, "What do you think the chances are a Metroid game will make it to the Switch? Have they abandoned the franchise?" Uh, I think that's a good franchise to actually uh, start back up again. Yeah. I, I hope so it's not. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I would like to see it back on there. I'd like to see them do another 2D side-scrolling Metroid as opposed to uh, another Prime entry. The Prime ones are first-person, and they're really critically well-received, but I just I have a hard time with first-person uh, games. Um, I'd love to see... In my heart of hearts, I would love there to be a Metroid game on the Switch, Duke. Um, do I think it will happen? The question is just, does it boils down to, does Nintendo think it'll make money? Metroid games sell notoriously bad in North America. Um, so I think it'll be a determination of how many consoles are sold in what regions before they make that call, I think. Diego Avila asks... If I can get to just one gaming convention in 2017, which should it be? Well, probably Portland. <laughs> uh, you're in the States, you're in Michigan, so flight for you is probably, what, $30 round trip? Um, <laughs> an American Airlines, so cheap. Uh, yeah, Portland, I think, is probably the best one, Diego. Uh, I'd love to see you come to Canada for something that I'm also going to be at. Uh, Barry, or come to the wedding if you want. Um Oh, what are the, the main ones in the states to go to? Is it Portland? Too many Mag games. Magfest. Magfest. Magfest here is a really good time, uh, and it's closer to you. Uh, I know uh, Rip uh, goes there every year, and John Payne goes down there. And Magfest is actually one that Mark and I might be able to make it to, because uh, it's not that far. It's not that much farther than Barry is. Um, and uh, Duke goes to that, and I think Yoshi Knuckles goes there. Low sometimes goes, I believe. So yeah, Magfest might be a, a decent one to hit too. I wonder if I can get to Magfest this year. Maybe I'll see about going to Magfest this year. You let me know if you're going, Diego, and I'll see what I can do. Um, but yeah, that would be 
I forgot about too many games. That is a big one down there, isn't it? And then there's the Game On Expo as well in Phoenix, um, down by Jason Heine. But uh, I think Portland is universally seen as the mecca. Uh, Shelby from uh, Bonus Barrel asks, what are your proudest moments in the Cartridge Club's lifetime? Oh, boy. Um, that's a big one. Uh, there's been so many. I'm going to have to say, I think we've mentioned it before on the show, but uh, for me, the proudest moment, I think, was uh, I was deployed overseas, and I hadn't seen or I hadn't talked to anybody in a month. I hadn't seen any videos or any podcasts. And the first thing, uh, when I got a service to my phone again, my phone blew up with uh, notifications. And it was all because of uh, Dukes and the Retro Nonsense Cartridge Club United video. Uh, while I was gone, Duke had reached out to Kevin and Ramvox, Dean Lasagna, uh, the Q-Dogs, Nintendo, I think J-Rock. Um, I don't want to miss anybody. I'm sure I am missing somebody. And he reached out to all these people and got them all involved in this music video, talking about the Cartridge Club and how much uh, they loved being part of it and how awesome it was. And I would say that was definitely my proudest moment, to see all these different people from all different walks of life who didn't know each other a year prior, who were all now close enough friends to, to get together and make a music video about a, a club. I'd say that's that's definitely my proudest moment. What about you, Joe? What's your proudest cartridge club? <laughs> <laughs> well, the one you just spoke about almost brought a tear to my eye, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna live vicariously through you on that one. That was a nice one. P two asks first. Uh, what happened? Whatever happened to the Playboy with uh, Sable on the cover that you used to hide in your closet? Um, P2's first boobs. <laughs> Hashtag P2's first boobs. <laughs> so Sable was a wrestler, uh, a very pretty wrestler, and she had did a, uh, an issue of Playboy, and I had a copy. <laughs> and uh, I, I, it must have been in the closet, to be honest with you, Mark. I'm not sure. Uh, that was a big that, one when it came out. I remember everyone going crazy for that one. Yeah, that was that was uh, it was quite the deal because I used to watch wrestling. Uh, at that point, yeah, there was a bunch of I don't know if they were called WWF divas at that time. Yeah, I think so. But whatever they were, it was uh, I think a, a number of them actually went on to Playboy, didn't they? It wasn't just Sable. It was uh, she was I don't the know first, if, but there was others. Was Tori, Sunny, Sunny Tor- I think Sunny may have been too old at that time. Tori Wilson, did she go on? I think she so. She was pretty hot. Yeah. Uh, last question, Musty Hobbit, uh, the Bradley Cooper of the Cartridge Club. He's just he's so dreamy. God damn, he's sexy. <laughs> Isn't he, though? It's just crazy. I don't know how they were able to be at the Portland Metro Gaming Expo and not just follow him around. <laughs> uh, so aside from water, you can only drink a single type or flavor of beverage for the rest of your life. What is it? Hmm. Uh, I'm going to say um, coffee because that's pretty much all I drink now anyway is water and coffee with the occasional Red Bull uh, and a chocolate milk once once in a blue moon. So I'm going to say coffee because I do really enjoy coffee. Black. Just black. Yeah. What about yourself, Joe? You can you can have water and one other thing. Uh, I'm going to go after. Because you drink beer, don't you? I drink beer, but it's not – I do it just for the taste. Okay. Not for uh, anything else like that. Uh, I'm going to say apple juice because it's Ooh. refreshing. 
Apple juice is fucking de- like it's really good. I think that's it. I think we got through. Uh, this is a long episode. Um, really? Yeah. So, uh, Joe, thanks for coming. I really do appreciate it. Hey, thanks for inviting me on. Appreciate it. Uh, I am sorry that this ran so long. I just got so excited talking to you. And... <laughs> that's all right, man. It, it felt short to me. Okay, that's good. That's good. Hopefully it feels short to the listeners. Um, so uh, if you want to hear more of Joe, please head on over to uh, SCC Pod. You can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Podbean. Check him out on Twitter, uh, at AC Decepticon. Uh, check him out check on his other podcast, Transformers and Beer. And you can get him in full force at www.cartridgeclub.org. So, uh, thank you for listening. If you're listening to, to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, please head over to www.cartridgeclub.org, where you can find other great podcasts, blogs, and videos from our community, such as... Retro Nonsense, The Gaming Pilgrimage, and Are You Okay? Um, if you are already a member of the Cartridge Club, please head on over to www.patreon.com slash cartridge club, where you can give as little or as much as you'd like, and every cent donated goes directly to improving the community for everyone involved. I'm Player One. I'm Joe. And uh, see you next week. <laughs>